Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. Good evening, and welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments. I want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the program. Now, on with tonight's show. Good evening, everyone. This is Terry from Texas with another episode number 18 of Terry's Mysterious Moments. Back in the fall of 1977, a book came out. It was called Amity, The Amityville Horror. It told the story of a family named Lutz who had moved into a house that turned out to be a living nightmare. Different attacks, uh, demonic attacks, spiritual attacks, physical attacks, um, noises, just different things happening in the house that finally caused the family after a month to leave the house and just go somewhere else. Since that time, it has been bandied back and forth and discussed as to whether the Amityville Horror was a true happening or was misconstrued events taken out of context and embellished by a Hollywood scriptwriter, who is who Jan, Jay Anson was. He wrote scripts for Hollywood and television. I cannot tell you if the Holly if the Amityville Horror was true. I cannot tell you if it was false. I can only make this question: What if it was true for the Lutz family? And when the Lutz family left, the events stopped happening. People who have lived in the house after the Lutzes left say that there's nothing weird about the house, there's nothing odd about the house, that the house was in good condition when they moved in, and they've never had any experiences. I don't know. It may be a selective haunting. It may be totally hogwash. But, in 1980, a story started with the family of Ben and Jean Williams having a home built in a subdivision in a town called Crosby, Texas, which is a small community within the incorporated city limits of Houston, Texas. The area that they were building in was called the Newport Subdivision. A little bit of backstory on the property. In 1823, a man named Humphrey Jackson, who was one of the original 300 Texas settlers, came into the area. And in 1824, the Baron de Bastrop granted what is called a league and a labor to Jackson. Uh, that, that being an odd statement, I looked it up to find out about how much land that was. And a labor seems to have been 177 acres 
in the Spanish land units. The league is three miles or the distance one can walk in an hour. I'm assuming that's squared, you know, three miles each way. On this, in this area, the town that grew up was named after a railroad engineer named G.J. Crosby. Thus became Crosby, Texas. Now sometime within the history, Mercer McKinney owned some of the property. It was called the McKinney Plantation. Now it may not have been a very big place because Mercer McKinney only had five slaves. Three males and two females. And he gave a small plot of land for a cemetery called the Black Hope Cemetery. Later on, the free slaves sharecropped the plantation for the McKinney's. And many of the relatives then were buried in the Black Hope Cemetery. Skipping forward to modern day Crosby, the Newport subdivision sits on McKinney Plantation property. McKinney descendants owned the land titles until the late 60s, early 70s. The new owners began to develop the land in an answer to the urban sprawl that was becoming Houston. And this Newport subdivision was one of the new developments. 1980, Ben and Jean Williams ordered a custom home on Poppet's Way in what is referred to as Section 8 in the development. A large oak tree stood on the property. On the trunk of the tree was an arrow, a carved arrow with two slashes beneath it. The meaning would become very real all too soon. The Black Hope Cemetery had been in use up until the late 1930s. As it became unused, it was all but forgotten. The bodies were left there. Section 8 was built over this cemetery. The markings on the tree were what is referred to as a poor man's grave marker. It indicated two burials beneath the tree. Immediately after moving in, the Williams began noticing strange things. And during the time they stayed on Poppet's Way, the Williams reported toilets flushing on their own, ants infesting the house, and they were coming from the tree. Plants wouldn't live anywhere on the property. There was no grass in the backyard. Violent storms would occur, and with the violent storms, poisonous snakes would show up. Their pets died horribly in very grotesque ways. Divorce, death, and mental breakdowns occurred among family members who visited them on Poppet's Way. The Williams's granddaughter, who was living with them, experienced what can only be called death dreams and premonition dreams. She would see a, a large, long stairway descending into fog. And if a person walked down the stairway in the dream, that person would soon die in real life. The neighbors, Sam and Judith Haney, across the street, noticed rectangular depressions in their yards. Upon beginning to dig for a pool, an elderly man approached them and told them of bodies buried in their yards. Further digging revealed the bodies of a man and a woman, later identified as Betty and Charles Thomas. The Haney's suffered through a series of odd occurrences themselves. 
including a pair of Judith, excuse me, Judith's shoes, disappearing. They were later found on top of Betty Thomas's grave in the backyard. The Marshalls, who lived next door to the Haneys, also had strange happenings, including W.D., the husband, seeing shadowy forms of a man, of a woman, and of a child wearing overalls. Things were moved around the house, and the sounds of footsteps kept them awake and were constantly heard. The Marshalls decided to move somewhere else within the subdivision, but couldn't keep their other house rented, so they let it go into foreclosure. The Haneys eventually filed a lawsuit against the developer, saying that the developer knew the graveyard was there and didn't tell anybody. A jury awarded the Haneys $142,000, but a judge overturned it and forced the Haneys to pay $50,000 in court, co court costs, making them file for bankruptcy. Ben and Jean Williams tried to sell their home, but were unsuccessful. They tried to get money from the title company, but they refused to help, saying there was no proof human remains were on the property. To prove it, they'd have to dig, and that was against Texas law. But Jean began to dig. After she exhausted herself, her daughter, Tina, took over. Within half an hour, Tina collapsed of chest, with chest pains. The ambulance got lost going to the house, and it got lost on the way out of the subdivision. Tina died in the hospital three days later. Ben and Jean and their granddaughter moved to Montana and gave up their home. Of the eight original houses, seven were abandoned. The Haneys eventually left their home too. The story, as it's told, brings to mind the movie Poltergeist. But be aware that this information was not released to the public until the early 90s. And Poltergeist had been done before the Haneys moved into their home, or it was being done about the time the Haneys moved into their home. Not the Haneys, the Williams. So thus the story wasn't the inspiration for the movie Poltergeist, although it did have its own movie called Grave Secrets, The Legacy of Hilltop Drive. As I said before, there, there, there's the feeling of an Amityville horror type situation going on here. The Williams, the Haneys, and the other folks said that these things happened to them. That they were terrible. They were terrifying. But people who have lived in the area, in the houses, the very houses, since then have reported very few, if any, haunted situations, haunting situations. The folks who lived there, the Williams, the Haneys, and the Marshalls, claim that everything they said happened, happened. However, since the book and the movie came out, there was a book that preceded the movie. Judith Haney has said that the book and the movie were not exactly right, that it was greatly exaggerated. I just figure it was Hollywood taking its its literal license with the, the movie and the story to make it a little bit more 
uh, exciting for the for the watchers. In other areas on the internet where people discuss this situation, you have the usual, oh, it happened to me, it happened. And then you have the, oh, no, we live there and nothing ever happened to us. Uh, and it was even one story of someone's best friend dying in the house, which I'm not sure ever happened or not. But again, my attitude is that those things may have happened to those families and to others over the years, while nothing has happened to the other families. I don't know if it's real. I don't know if it's not real. But these folks say that they had these experiences. I don't see why they would lie. They wanted to live there. That was a beautiful place, they said. It was a nice house. So that's that's the story of the Black Hope Horror. The Black Hope Curse, or however you want to say it. Is a real area, in a real place, in a real town. And the information is out there for you to look up. I have another interesting story that happened to me just this last week. My wife and I, during the summers, have begun to go to different swimming pools around San Antonio. And I told this story on my Facebook page for Mysterious Moments, but I'm going to tell it here. We went to a, a pool called Westwood. It's a nice little pool. It's got beautiful mesquite trees all around on the properties. It's kind of set apart from a neighborhood by a little bit of distance. And it's a little north of an industrial business area. But it's by no means out in the boonies. It's not way out. But it's a nice place. It's a nice little pool. It's an L-shaped pool. And the deep end is at the foot of the L. My wife and I were standing by the deep end, putting our stuff down so we could get ready to go in the water. And I heard the noise of a diving board. You know, the, the, the bouncing noise that a diving board does when someone jumps off of it. And then I heard a splash. And I didn't think anything about it. We're at a swimming pool. Why not? So we got in the water, and, and we swam around and floated around for a little while. And after about an hour, we got out of the water, and we were getting dried off over where we had our stuff. And all of a sudden, I looked around, and I realized there was absolutely no diving board at this pool. There were people jumping in the water, but there was no diving board. So where did I hear the diving board sound come from? That's just a strange thing that's happened to us this last week or so. Just wanted to add that in. Anyway, that's all I have for the show this week. I'm glad you're here to listen. I'm glad I was here to tell it. If you have any questions about the story, or about my story, please contact me at Terry's Mysterious Moments on Facebook, or at Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. That's Terry's Mysterious Moments on Facebook or Terry's Mysterious Moments at gmail.com. I thank you for listening to the show. I remind you to listen to Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast on Mondays. 
Aaron Hunter's a good guy, good friend. Listen to my show on Wednesdays. Go to my Facebook page for Terry's Mysterious Moments. You'll see my smiling face. Be able to leave me messages. We'll talk back and forth on certain stories if you want to. Anyway, I want to thank you for listening this week. And that's all I have, so I want to wish you a good night. Thank you.